Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. But I want to go back to this particular book because I started uh, something, but I want to actually finish it or try to finish it if possible um, this evening because what I believe that, that even the Lord gave me to share, I was going to preach something else and I just... You know, I couldn't get away from this, but I want to dig back into this because I believe that what I'm going to share is going going to really help you. And um, and you're going to hear God in it, especially um, these principles that are very important that when we grab a hold, especially facing difficult times, the Bible says in first Peter uh, chapter five, um, I'll begin reading at the top. I'm going to go to two places, but first Peter chapter five, it says I'm going to for the sake of time, I'm going to jump down to. Uh, verse 6, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Then he says, I need you to cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Then he says, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the, may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, notice that, that he would perfect, he would establish, he would strengthen, and he would settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. One more place, Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and verse 32 They'll put it up on the screen. It says this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Notice that the enemy asked specifically for Peter that he may sift you as wheat. Notice the enemy's assignment. John 10, 10, the thief come not but to steal, kill and destroy. Verse 32. But I have prayed for you. I want you to know that's Jesus speaking. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In this particular text, last week I began to talk about in Peter's writings how he begins to address a crowd of people who are believers who had been going through very tough times. They had been going through very challenging times. And he uses the word over and over, suffering, hardships, struggles, and adversity. Many of them had been persecuted under the rule of Nero during this time, who was a wicked dictator and a wicked uh, ruler who persecuted Christians and was always pushing against the destruction of the, or pushing for the destruction of the church. And many of these people found themselves in situations and circumstances under pressure, their backs against the wall, going through hardships and struggles that were like none other. Some of them were just quite bizarre that blew their mind and they couldn't quite understand to the point that many of them at certain times, historically they say, began to even wonder if what they had believed in was really true. But Peter, as a great pastor and leader, comes to these people and he begins to give them words of encouragement in such a desperate time. He begins to give them instructions on how to navigate through these tough times that they're facing. 
First of all, he began to tell them, he said, when you're going through these difficult times, he said, number one, you need to humble yourself. I'm not going to, I talked about this last week. You'll have to look at the, listen to the podcast to get the first part, but I'm going to jump to where I need to tonight. But first thing he said, you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll raise you up in due time. He, under, he said, you need to know that when you find yourself in these situations, the one thing that you want to do is try to actually control the situation. You're going to try to do it in your own strength and ability, but you need to lose control so that God can have total control. And then he said, he said, I want you to cast your cares upon me for I cared for you. He said, during this time, the things that you're carrying, the, the weight and the pressures and the burden that you're facing and the thoughts that you're thinking, understand that you were not created to carry those things. You were not created to bear those things. He said, I need you to cast your care on me for I care for you. In other words, I care about what you care about and I care for you. In other words, you're not to carry your cares. You ought to cast your cares. Homework for the last week's um, 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 gathering or last week's congregation was that turn your carry list into your prayer list. Whatever you care about should be the things that you pray about because it's when I pray is the process of which I carry, I mean, I cast the things on the Lord. We understood if you keep carrying them, it's a matter of time before they start covering you. You can be covered up in the things that you're carrying, but God never meant for you to be covered up, suffocated, pressed down, overwhelmed by your cares but he did mean for you to cast them on him so that you can carry his presence, his power, his love, his compassion, and his grace in a fruitful and blessing way. Amen? But then he goes to the third thing here, and I want to just jump here tonight. He says, now the next thing you got to know when you're facing these times and struggles, uh, understand that you have an arch enemy called Satan. And one of his key things to do, he is the master at always trying to manipulate moments of vulnerability. When you're going through hardships, when you're going through struggles, he comes with his greatest strikes. He comes with his greatest attempts to knock you out and take you out. He's a loser. I hate the devil. It's just like the enemy that when you go through life and, and, and life hands you some things, he waits till you get down. That's when he, when he finds you in that weak moment, that vulnerable moment. That's when he comes. That's when there's an onslaught. But he tells you how to even deal with that. Notice the wording he said in the scripture. He said, he said to be sober. He said to be vigilant. He said because your adversary, the devil, um, uh, walketh about as a, uh, seek, uh, your, uh, your adversary, the devil, is walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, he said to be sober. He said you need to be self-controlled. Can I translate that? Don't freak out. Don't get crazy. Don't start going crazy and, and pitching a fit. He said, don't freak out. He said, but also be watchful. Be diligent. In other words, he said, he said that when it talks about being watchful, he said, you need, to be, you need to be in a place that you're real sensitive to your surroundings. Because we serve, a, we serve the, the enemy comes in such subtle ways. What's amazing to me is this right here. Peter talks, to, talks about him as a lion. But in reality, watch this. Most of the time, he comes as a snake. Because the Bible says he's, a serp, he, he's like a serpent and he's like a lion. And the reason why that's important, the reason why you got to be watchful, that you got to stay on your watch, you got to be, be in a place of alertness, of awareness, because watch this. The lion is obvious. 
But the snake is subtle. It's easy to hear a roar, but it's easy to miss a hiss. And it's possible if you keep looking for the lion, you'll miss the snake. But you got to realize, oh, come on, somebody. I'm, I feel it. That, that you got to be in a place to be watchful and don't look for the obvious. He doesn't always come in the obvious ways. He has a way of coming in the subtle ways, ways that you don't think, ways that you don't feel. Come sometimes it's ways through your own family members. I just thought I would throw that in. It can come through ways on your job, curveball stone in your life. But I just want to encourage you, he said, to be watchful. And notice what he said. He described him in three different ways. He said, he said, adversary, the devil as a roaring lion. That word adversary, it means a prosecutor. It means one that will come into the court of law. And he's got one thing on your own mind is to put you deep down under the prison. And he comes with, 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 come with facts and they did this and they did this and look at this. The whole goal of an adversary is, is like a prosecutor in the courtroom and their whole goal is to put you down and beat you down and tear you down to make you look like mud in front of the judge. But then it says the devil. Can I just teach you a little bit and I'm going to get where I'm going. And then he said the devil, which is translated a slanderer. Which Revelation 12.10 means he's the accuser of brethren. Not only does he try to prosecute you, but the Bible said he always accuses you. We see this in the book of Zechariah chapter 3 where the Bible said that Joshua is standing before the Lord as high priest. And all of a sudden Satan comes out of nowhere. And he's trying to enter into the presence of God. And he's trying to go, go before God. And here comes the enemy. He don't deserve that. Look how messed up he is. Look how bad he is. Look what she said. Look what he done. They're not living right. They're not talking right. They're not acting right. They're still in this sin. They're still in that sin. They're still talking that way. They're still acting that way. And he's accusing and accusing and accusing. And the Bible actually said this, that Joshua stood there in filthy garments. And even though what he was accusing was true, but the Bible said that Jesus, go back and read it. He stood up and he said, the Lord rebukes you, Satan. In other words, he says, I know he did it, but you need to understand that I covered it. I know they got in it, but I already paid for it. And it's, come on, some of you need to learn how to deal with the loud, the roaring lies of the devil that constantly bring up what you've done wrong in your past. You're sitting here have, throwing a pity party, feeling sorry for yourself and talking about the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. Oh, way with the devil. You need to learn how to understand. Yes, you may be my adversary, but 1 John 2 says I have an advocate. You may be my adversary that wants to prosecute me, but I have an advocate that will stand up for me. You may be, oh, come on somebody, you may be an accuser of my flaws, but I got an atoning sacrifice called Jesus that covers my 
sin. And let me remind you while I'm at it. The Bible said, Peter said, you are like a roaring lion. But the Bible said, my Jesus, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So I want you to know, how do I handle? I got an advocate for my adversary. I got an atoning sacrifice for the accuser. And I got the real lion on the inside of me. And his name is Jesus. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Say, he's just teaching a little bit tonight. That's all. He's just teaching. Teaching a little bit. He says, seeking whom he made to... Notice that, may. See, y'all give the devil too much credit. He didn't say he will. He said he may. It's contingent. It's conditional. He may devour. See, what's, what's important, if you've ever been on a safari, they all, what do they always tell you? Stay on the path or stay inside the vehicle. Do not get outside. Come on, South Africa. Now, do not get outside the vehicle. I'm going to tell you something. You know why? They said, like, number one, they're creatures of the dark. Okay? So, okay. Number two, they have something what they call their paravisual beings, which means para means one. In other words, they see things in big. Watch this. Although the, although the Jeep has five people in the Jeep, it's five individuals, but it looks one to him. All he sees is the big. And when he sees the big, he says, I don't need to bother that. That's intimidating. Although they're individual... But when they're together, see, they look small by themselves, but they look big when they're together. And see, if you ever watch National Geographic, it's always the little homie that gets left behind, that always get ate up by the enemy. But my point is to tell you, especially when you're going through tough times, the importance of community and connection, the importance of being part of the body of Christ. Because one can set a thousand, but two ten thousand. If any two or three touch it and agree, it shall be done. How, come on, somebody. A threefold cord is hard to be broken. The First thing that you need to do is leave church when you're going through hell. You need to come back to church, get in a small group, get in a ministry, get under some covering, get with a prayer partner and let them cover you and keep you. You might be weak, but when you leak up, you become strong. You need community. You need strength. Come on, there's power in our unity. It's not about our individual ability. It's about our united power. There I command the blessing. When the brethren are together in unity and the anointing flows. Scripture said you got to resist him. Humble yourself, cast your, your cares. And he said resist the enemy, the scripture said. And watch this. Understand, he goes on to say, now look at the next thing. Why is that important, Jamal? Why is that important? He said, because when you begin to look at verse 10, after he said, resist him. He said, now I got to remind you of this right here. Is that God is still working his plan and purposes. Even though the enemy will try to discourage you. The enemy has tried to discourage many of you. 
tell you. It's your fault. It's your fault. Look at you. You deserve this. It's your fault. And it may be your fault. But I serve a God that is merciful. I serve a God that is gracious. That his compassions are new every morning. But he wants to make you feel so down that you begin to just discredit God. That he, he wants to disenfranchise you to get you thinking, get you all in disarray and separated and disconnected. That you begin to think that, 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 that I'm going through this because I'm the worst person. I'm going through this because God is mad at me. God is against me and God is trying to get me back. But that is not the case. Oh, I'm going to show you some stuff. The same circumstances that Satan wants to use to discourage and defeat you. God is going to use the same circumstances to develop you and bless you. When Peter concluded this, notice he tells them, he concludes this with an encouragement. And he reminds them, he said, but may the God of all grace, who has called us, notice that, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Notice he said, I've called you, I love that word, have called us to his eternal glory. We just sing about going from glory to glory and faith to faith. But notice it said that it starts, watch this, at grace, but it ends at glory. But between grace and glory, he said, you're going to suffer a little while. You're going to have to go through a little something, something. And we don't like that word. Nobody likes to go through anything. Nobody likes, and then we thought, oh, dude, the S word. We don't like it. We don't want to go through anything. We don't like challenges. We don't like adversities. But what if I told you that your challenge and your adversity and the thing you're walking through could be the greatest thing that's happening to you right now. Oh, buddy. Notice he said, it's suffer a little while. Did you catch that? In other words, this is not permanent. It won't be this way always. I told you last week, these light afflictions are working for you. A more exceeding and eternal way to glory. Ecclesiastes said, there, if to everything there is a season. This is just a season. But the Lord told me to throw this in here too because I got to share this. You got to make sure that you, you, you submit, humble yourself, cast your cares, resist the enemy, and follow these points because watch this. If you don't, your season can become a cycle. Good God. There's a difference between a season and a cycle. God said this is meant to be a season. It's never meant to be a cycle. See, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land, because remember he said, I got a promised land for you, but then he took them through the wilderness. Isn't it amazing? God will tell you about the promise, but don't give you the details of the path. He said, I got a promised land, but, I, but, but I'm not going to tell you all about the path. But between, come on, coming out of Egypt, promise given and promise received, there was a wilderness. Are you following me? And what was meant just to be a few day season ended up being a cycle. 
because, oh my God, they didn't humble themselves in the wilderness. They didn't cast their cares in the wilderness because God said, I took you through there for a purpose. There was a purpose for the wilderness. He said to prove you, to test you, to see what was in your heart that you would trust me because for so long you've been in bondage, you've been jacked up and messed up depending upon them and the world's ways and the world's mindset and the world's ideas and before I let you get into the promise, I got to do Mm -hmm. I got to take you through a process that's going to prepare you for the promise. And I want to tell somebody, don't let your season become a cycle. A 40-year cycle, a 40-year cycle, going in circles, going in circles, going in circles, going in circles, financial circles, because you can't get discipline in your money. Come on, frustrating circle. Oh, you go, why'd you stop shouting then? We don't want to hear that. I just need God to break through in my finances. No, what you need is God to break through in your discipline. You need discipline. That's what it is. Quit. Oh, I'm going to go here now. Quit. Spending money that you don't have, buying things that you don't need, trying to impress people that you don't know. And you won't be down here needing a financial miracle every Sunday. It's time to break the cycle, get some discipline, humble myself and say, God, don't deal with the money in my hand. Deal with the condition of my heart. Peter says, this suffering is not valueless. This suffering is not without purpose. What you're going through, watch this. God doesn't always cause it, but God knows exactly how to use it. Ooh, I just said something. God doesn't always cause it, but he knows how to use it. Cause all things to work together. For the good of him who loved the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. So when you understand that, God knows how to put pain on his payroll. You'll get it. He knows how to put pain and said, I'm going to use you to bless them. God will use your agitation for education. God will take your adversity and say, this is your university. What you think is a setback is really a setup for a come up when God gets involved. No, I'm coming to preach now. Come on, come on, somebody. See, see, what you think is a negative is really a necessity in your life. You think it's a negative situation, but it's a, a situation that you actually need. Why is that important? I'm about, hear, hear me what I'm about to draw. See, see, God's character is always consistent, but his ways are unpredictable. He's always consistent in character, but his ways are unpredictable. What do you mean, Javon? Let me say, he's always a healer, but he doesn't always heal the same. I may, I may put mud on your eye one day. I may speak to it another day. I may touch you or I may speak to you because my ways, watch this, are unpredictable, but my character is always consistent. Why is that important? Because what you're going through and facing, you got to remember what Isaiah told us. He texted me before I came up and he said, remind them, watch this, that my ways are not their ways. My ways are higher than their ways. My thoughts are higher than their thoughts. Notice the word higher. God is saying, you're down there, but I'm up here. Have you ever written on the plane? The perspective from the, oh my God, from the 
ground to when you get up in the sky. It's totally different. You have a limited perspective on the ground. But when you're up in the air, you see things that everybody else can't see. And what I'm saying is God is saying, my way, I know you don't understand it, but I see things that you don't see. I see a prophetic future over your life. I see you in the future. Remember, I declare, watch this, the end from the beginning. I see where you're going. I see what I've got planned for you. I see what I've got in store. And he said, don't get jacked up, caught up, and frustrated by the way. But I need you to talk to Job because he'll encourage you because he was there. Job said, I went to the front. He's not there. I went to the back. He's not there. I went to the right. Where is he? I went to the left. He's not over there. Oh, well, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. When God gets done with me, come on, somebody. I will not be the person I used to be. He's committed to making me better. I won't always do it the way I've always done it. Trust me. When you can't trace his hand, you got to learn to trust his heart. And he said, because I'm going to do four quick things in about seven minutes. He said, my ways. Number one, when you're going through, I have a design behind it. There's intent in this. God is intentional. Everything God does, there's an intended purpose. And even when God does nothing, he's still doing something. All right, I'm going to leave that alone. What are, you, what are you saying, Javon? Notice what it said. He said the first thing. He said, you don't understand this, but, but here, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to perfect you. He said, once you've gone through this, it's going to bring a perfecting. It means to equip, to repair, render complete, soundness, wholeness, and maturity. Mm. Two words. Write down if you're taking notes. How does he? What, what is the purpose of perfecting? Watch this. Maturity and capacity. Peter, who wrote this note, we understand that Peter had some immature days. Peter was a loud mouth at times. Peter would cut you if you act, if you looked at him the wrong way. It's in your Bible. And if, you, and if you pushed him too much, he would cut, cut. I'm from the South. He would not curse. He would cuss you out. Cussing and cursing is two different things. Cussing, it goes deep. It goes deep down. You know, cursing is, let's curse me out. No, he cussed him out. But Peter, he demonstrated. And notice who God gets to write a letter about perfecting. As a man himself who understand he had to go through a process to be matured himself. There were some mature things that I look back over my life that I realized that I'd done. And I know how to help you when you get under pressure. Because when I got under pressure, I did some immature stuff. I was cussing people. I was cutting people. I was ambitious. A loud mouth. The first one I was bragging about. All oh, y'all jokers going to fall away. But me, I'm here for life. I'm down. I'm going to be here forever. Being Jesus, my ride or die. I don't know about y'all. No, no. But then he makes this statement. He says in 1 Peter 2, he said, As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word. Watch this. 
that you may grow thereby. Peter said, as a believer, we have to desire growth. I'm glad you're saved, but have you grown? I'm glad that you are righteous, but are you living right? Okay, okay. Huh? He said that you should grow thereby. I should be growing. Let me just go ahead and say this. Spiritual maturity is not determined about how long you've been attending church. It's not about how many services you attend. I'm going to go deeper. I don't care if you can quote Greek, Hebrew, and speak Swahili at the same time. It does not constitute maturity. You can, you can go straight up and have more degrees than a thermometer and still be spiritually immature. Oh, y'all don't shout at me right now. Because, see, we got it all twisted and we got it all wrong. And we get impressed with all types of stuff. But yet, if, oh my God, if the quotes that come out of your mouth is not demonstrated in your life, you need to hush your mouth and get it right in your life. Come on. Come on, somebody. This is where we grow. This grown folk stuff. That's what the, the, the old, this is grown folk stuff. We speaking in tongues and, and hallelujah, glory to God, but yet cussing. The, and... No, I'm talking about maturing. I'm talking about growing up in God. The Bible dealt with the issue in Hebrews chapter 5. He said, by now, you ought to be teaching. You ought to be preaching. You ought to be leading a small group. You ought, Come on, you ought to be serving somewhere in the ministry. Come on, you've been here for 10 years and you're still waiting on pa- every time pastor to come and you won't get involved or come to church until he comes. Something is wrong. Why'd you get quiet? No, this is not what I'm saying. He said, by now, what is the deal? And he said, real sign of maturity is when you can discern right from wrong, doing right and doing wrong. Watch this. When you can discern, here it is right here. Notice it said right and wrong. But I'm going to go deeper with that. When you can get to the point where you learn how to obey the voice of God and be sensitive to the convictions of the Holy Spirit. See, there's a, there's a place that you can go deeper. My God, I wish I had time. There's a place. See, this, this book is full of absolutes. It's, it's, it's the Logos word of God. And it's written. It's very, I know, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. But see, see, it goes to a place where you get in God, where, where, where his voice. Because see, the letter killeth. But the spirit gives life. I'm talking about maturing where you go to that movie and then stuff start happening and the Holy Spirit says, get out of here. Immaturity will justify the sin and say, I paid my money. Obedience is better than sacrifice. See, there comes a place where it's not about, come on. Come on, where I mature and when I, when I respond to that person in an ugly way, that when the Holy Spirit said, now you know you was wrong for that, that I can humble myself and go back and say, you know what, the way that I spoke to you wasn't right. Yo. Listen what he said. Notice what he, he said in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, he said, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but to men of the flesh or carnal or as to infants in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. Oh, God, can I just get with this? It's not that he didn't want to give them solid food. He said, I can't give you solid food. 
It's not that I won't give you more, but you're not ready to handle more. I desire to give you more, but you don't have the maturity to handle more. I have a car. My car is Sydney's car. My car is Jacob's car. But they can't get my car now because they're not mature enough to handle what belongs to them yet. There has to be a maturing and a growing up and a preparation that prepares them to actually walk in what's already been given. Because whatever is their daddy's belongs to them. But a real father loves you enough to, oh my God, to not give you, oh my Lord, to give you what you want when you're not ready to have it. St. Augustine said it like this. (laughs) It said, God will bypass the prayers of your lips so that he can watch this. Listen to the prayers of your heart. Because he says, sometimes what's coming out of your lips, you're not ready for that. He said, I'm going to listen to the prayer of your heart. That's what you're ready for. That's what you're capable of handling. When he said capacity, he said, I'm ready for my church to grow up. I'm ready for my church to mature. I'm talking about going where you mature when you go from being entitled to being grateful. You go from selfishness to generosity. See, I'm dealing with some stuff today, whatever. It's when I go from condemnation to compassion. When you really can pray for those that despitefully use and persecute you with a clean heart and a right spirit. When you can really bless those that curse you and do good to those that hate you. When you can love those who you know that don't like you. Digging, digging, digging. But it's good. Because God said this is going to mature. We got to mature. We got to grow up. Not just doing church, being the church. Not just quoting scripture, living scripture. Come on, somebody. And he said, watch this. That word perfect also means this. It means it is a reference to the, the Peter and the disciples that after... Watch this. After they had went out for a catch, they would come back in and they did something called mending their nets. That word mend is the same word as perfect. And what would happen due to the, to, due to the, 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 the harvest of fish or the catch, the nets would stretch and they would get cracks in them and seams in them. And what they would do afterwards, they, when they got done and they dump all the fish out, they would take the nets, watch this, and they would stretch them out. And when they stretched them, it exposed any cracks in them. And when they saw the cracks, they knew how to sew them together. But what's good about it is when they stretched them and sewed the cracks, the capacity after it was stretched and sewn was greater than the capacity that it was before. Come on, son. Of what it was used. Some of you, what you're going through, it's just stretching you. I know you feel like you're losing it. I know you feel like you're being pulled apart. But no, what God is doing in this season of your life, he's creating some divine cracks that he's going to sew together your character, sew together your integrity, sew together your attitude, sew together your thinking because he understands there's a greater catch that is waiting on your life and I refuse to leave you high. 
I love you too much to let you stay how you are because I see what you are capable of in the future. He said, I'll perfect you. He says, I'll, number two, I want to establish you. I want to give it to you quick and we'll get out. I want to establish you. What does that word mean? It means to fix firm. Fix firm like a pillar, like these pillars right here. Fix firm like a pillar to be steadfast. And it speaks of his faith. Remember what he said in Luke? He said, he said, Simon, Simon. He said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. Listen to these words, that your faith fail not. Notice he didn't pray that he wouldn't fall. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. Because even if you fall and keep the faith, your faith will get you back up after the fall. So he was more concerned about his faith than he was his failure. My Lord. Because he said, if you, can't, if you lose the faith, you won't have what it takes to get over your failure. And he says, to establish you in your faith. Remember, P Peter was fickle in his faith. Peter had a tendency, watch this, that when he got around certain people... He compromised his faith. God said, I, I, I'm going to take you through something that your faith is going to be firm. That you don't change based upon the company that you're in. That you don't longer be a chameleon Christian just adapting to every, everything and every place that you go. Because see, Peter got around a certain crowd. They say, are you with him? I don't know him. Warming his hand. You, you one of them. I'm not one of them. Oh, yes, you are. No, 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 no. I saw you with him pre Not me. I don't know him. Who's G? G who? J what? I don't know. Over here with the disciples, he is the son of the living God. He is Christ. Over here with this group of people, I don't know. What you know? Church. No, man, you know, I'm not religious. Let me ask you something. Are you fickle in your faith? See, even Paul confronted Peter about this same thing. The Bible said when he got around the Jews, he started taking on the characteristics of them, start going back in Jewish laws and external stuff. And Paul said, bro, you tripping. How are you going to begin in the flesh and now being made? Come on, begin in the spirit, now be made perfect. So you're going to change when you get around that group? God wants established faith. He wants us to be faithful to him and his word regardless of who we are around, what circles that we're in, what places that we go. And God, maybe some of you are going through a season. God is saying, I'm getting rid of double-mindedness. I'm getting rid of this unstableness, this vacillating, going back and forth, one day in, one day out, church on Sunday, my life all week long. No, he wants people to be established in their faith that I don't compromise my standards just because I'm on a business trip. I don't compromise my standards because no one from church is around me. But I am who I am. Not Oh, come on. In private and in public. There's some consistency in my character. Come on, somebody. We got to get to the point that we have. That's why he said genuine faith. He said you're going through this so that your faith would be authentic and it would not be something going back and forth. I want faithful people that won't compromise. And I, I felt this for single people. I wrote it in my notes. 
Some of you, you've been faithful. And you're going through a season where it's tough. You've been waiting on the significant one. You've been waiting on the right one. But right now, for whatever reason, it's a tough season right now. And it seems like everything is coming at you left and right. And for some, you feel like you're on the verge of just breaking down. I don't know how much I can take. The Lord sent me to encourage you. Hold your faith. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap the harvest if you faint not. One translation said, don't get tired of doing good. Don't get tired of resisting those temptations. Don't get tired of holding your standards. Because a standard is not something that you live up to. A standard is something that you refuse to live beneath. Don't get tired of, come on somebody, keep going. I, I don't know what single person, I know you believe in God. I know he's got a significant one. But you stay faithful. Keep those standards. Keep yourself holy. Keep yourself pure. I still believe that people can live pure and holy and save themselves. Come on, I'm not condemning nobody. But I still believe, come on, that you can still be a virgin when you get married. So stand to your feet. I'm done. I'm out of time. I'm going to jump to the last point. Because the last thing he said, I want to settle you. I want to settle you. The Greek context is when you go through this, to settle means it's funny I hear that song. You know what it means? You, to become a firm foundation. A firm foundation. In other words, what it's saying is that sometimes God will let you go through things to get you back to the foundation. Because when you go through, it start burning off and tearing off and pruning all the non-essentials. The things that we accumulate or think we need on the way. Stuff and things. But what it does is I want to get you back to the bedrock of the foundation of what this thing is all about. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us there is only one foundation and his name is Jesus Christ. And sometimes God will allow us to go through things because we've become so cluttered. We've become so distracted with all types of other things and we forget the main thing and the main thing is Jesus Christ. Listen to what he said in this verse. Praise God. Listen to what he says. He said, don't turn a deaf ear to, those, to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings did not get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice, listen to this, that, that time that shook the earth to its foundation. This time he's told us quite plainly. He's also the rock of heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. Here it is. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning. Getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? We got an unshakable kingdom. And do you know how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God. For God is not indifferent, an indifferent bystander. 
He is actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is a fire. And he says, I want to get back to what it's all about. If you're not careful, if you don't keep the main thing, the main thing, everything else will begin to clutter your life. But God said, I'll allow you to go through things that will begin to strip all that extra stuff off of you. To get you back to that place where I was your number one priority. To get you back to that place where you used to be hungry and you used to be thirsty and you couldn't wait to get to church. You couldn't wait to pray. You couldn't wait to get in the Word of God. It was no question about when I was going to church. That place of passionate desires. I know you're saved and now you're blessed and things are going well, but 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 is He still the main thing or have the, have the blessings, come on, overtaken you so much that you've forgotten about the blessing? Has the blessings overtaken you so much that you forgot about the one who blessed you because the Bible said when it's all said and done listen I'm all about being blessed and everything but you understand we all going to stand before the judgment seat and he said everything that is wood hay and stubble is going to be burned up that stuff we did in our own strength and ability he said but only that which is gold silver and precious stones that's built on the foundation will last question is have you allowed your life to become so cluttered and overwhelmed that he's not the main thing I'm not talking about a side thing a backseat thing every now and thing is he the main thing is he the rest- the foundation of everything that you are the center of my marriage the center of my home the center of my children the center of my business every single thing because that's what Jesus brought Peter back to in the end with a fire he said Peter here it is do you love me after he had gone through his his trial he said I'm trying to get to a place in your heart Peter do you love me I love you feed my sheep Peter do you love me I love you feed my sheep Peter do you love me Lord you know you know I love you he said feed my lambs Isn't it amazing that three times God asked, did you love him? But it was also three times that Peter denied him. Could it be those three times that he said, I love you, canceled out the three times that he denied him? And he said, I want to get you back to where it first started when I said, follow me. That it's about, watch this, loving me and loving people. Loving me and loving people. So I'm going to end on this note. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.